you are listening to the sermon podcast from Bethel Covenant Church. We're an evangelical covenant congregation outside Ellsworth, Wisconsin. You can learn more about us at BethelCov.org. Thanks for listening. So yesterday uh, we had a a birthday party for uh, our four-year-old Foster. He just turned four. And um, it turns out we didn't need to plan uh, nearly as much as we did. And when I say we, that's um, it's the royal we. Uh, it's uh, mostly the work that, that Aaron did. Um, but we didn't, it turns out we didn't really have to plan nearly as much as we did because uh, the one thing that we did have was a, a slip and slide at, at Foster's birthday. And it turns out that we probably could have not had any food or cake or decorations or presents, or anything, as long as we had that. Because from the minute that we laid that out on the grass um, to uh, the time that we forced Foster to stop playing on it so that he could eat his cake, um, uh, Foster was out there. He was out there before everybody showed up, and and had we let him, he would have been there as everybody uh, went home. Uh, But there was this moment uh, right after we set it up out there that, um, and this is one of the fun things uh, and sometimes hard things about having kids, is you see yourself in them, right? And, and there's this moment where I caught a, a reflection of my, myself, um, not just at his age, but, but even, even older, uh, because he sees the slip and slide and he's so excited, uh, but he's also, he's also scared. Um, and he's so excited to play on the slip and slide, and I could just see myself as a, as a little kid standing there, uh, because he'll, he'd be like, Dad, you've got to show me how to do the slip and slide. And I'd say, okay, well, let's step back, and we'd step way back. I'd say, you've got to run as fast as you can, and then jump and, and slide on the slip and slide. And he says, okay, Dad, okay, I can do that. And so it's like one, two, three, and he runs as fast as he can, and then he gets the slip and slide, and he stops, and he carefully steps over, and then he sits down. <laughs> and, and I just saw myself in that, because that's how I was as a kid. I so desperately wanted to play with something like that, but I was not ready to, um, I, I was a little scared, and so I was never ready to commit to just running and diving into the water. And, and he did that a few times, but what separates, um, and this is what's fun about having kids, is you see your faults in them, but you also see um, ways that they overcome those in ways that maybe you didn't always. And, and so what I would have done as a, as a kid is I would have tried it a few times and sat down and... Uh, you know, his cousins showed up, and they were really just sliding down the thing. And if it were me, I would have gotten discouraged and frustrated and embarrassed. And I just can't do it. I'm too scared to commit. And so I would have walked away from the slip and slide. Uh, but Foster did not walk away from the slip and slide. He didn't let his fear of, of falling um, or even not being able to do it as good as his friends uh, stop him from enjoying it. And by the end of the time, uh, he was still um, only four and not the best slip and slider out there, but he was, he was making some moves on that thing, let me tell you. Uh, and it's amazing to me, and I noticed this in my own life, that um, sometimes our, our fears have this way of keeping us from uh, getting things that we really want or need. They have this way of preventing us from... Uh, from getting something we really desire. And for Foster, as long as he was afraid of falling down on that slip and slide wrong, as long as he was afraid of, of diving at it, there was no way he was going to have any fun on it. 
Well, uh, today um, we're continuing our, our series here at Bethel on, on wisdom, on what it means to be wise. And <clears throat> the book of Proverbs actually talks about fear a lot. Um, man, we're already ahead of the game. I'll go back here. There we go. Uh, the Bible actually talks about, talks about fear a lot, um, but this summer we're talking about wisdom, and, and I taught you guys, if you were here last week, we all learned a word, and we're going to continue to learn it. Uh, that word is chokmah. Can you say chokmah? Chokmah. Let's try it again. Chokmah. Chokmah uh, is, is this idea in, in the Old Testament, in the Bible. It's often translated as wisdom, uh, but the idea is this. Um, the idea is that our world, that God made our world, and he made it in such a way, he made it according to this kind of uh, fundamental order. Um, the, the Bible teaches, especially the book of Proverbs, that God made the world in a certain way to be used in a certain way. <clears throat> it's kind of like the, the universe, the world, creation, has a, has a grain to it. And we can kind of pay attention to that order or we can reject that order and do our own thing. Uh, the Bible calls this grain wisdom. It calls it chokmah. Let's try again. Chokmah. Sorry, I, just, I love it when we all say it. It's so fun. Uh, uh, but what, what the Bible argues is that if we find the chokmah of the world, if we find the grain of the world, um, we can learn how to live along that. Um, and if we do, we'll find that more often than not, um, not 100% of the time, not all the time, not for sure every time, but if we find, uh, Proverbs teaches that if we find that grain and we live along it, more often than not, things will go well for us because the world was made in a certain way to be lived in in a, in a certain way. Uh, <clears throat> and Proverbs is, is written to help us find that grain. And it says something... Um, that might sound a little odd to us uh, when it comes to the topic of fear. Um, what Proverbs says, and what Scripture says over and over again, that uh, if we're going to find chokmah, if we're going to understand the chokmah of the world, the grain of the world, if we're ever going to learn anything and learn how to live in this world, the first step is to pay attention to what we're afraid of, uh, and, and I think, and we'll get into this more, but I think um, that has a lot to do with the fact that our fears have this uh, ability to really determine the actions that we take. Um, I think often when we discover what our biggest fears are, uh, we also discover what our, our biggest values are. Uh, things we might not ever state, <laughs> but are, are true in our lives. You know, if, if our biggest fear is uh, looking foolish and being rejected by others, then one of our biggest values is probably the opinions and the thoughts of, of other people's. Our, our fears reveal our values. And, and the Bible seems to agree with that because uh, this is what it says, and you guys already read it. Uh, Proverbs 1.7. Uh, Proverbs chapter 1 is this introduction to this book. Um, and, and I'll just read the verses leading up to it. It says, These are the Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel, um, for gaining wisdom, chokmah, uh, and for instruction, for understanding words of insight, uh, these proverbs are for receiving instruction and prudent behavior, uh, for learning how to do what's right and just and fair, for giving prudence to those who are simple and knowledge and discretion to the young. And then there's this, this kind of blessing. It says, you know, um, this hope of what proverbs is for. It says, um, with proverbs, you know, hopefully let the wise add to their learning. Let the wise get wiser. Let the discerning find guidance. 
for understanding these sayings, proverbs, and parables, the sayings and the riddles of the wise. And then it, it begins with this first time in Proverbs that it says this line, and it'll say something similar to this over and over again. It's right here. one seven. it says, um, you know, if you want to find wisdom in Proverbs, it says, fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. And so <clears throat> uh, this has always kind of bothered me. You know, I, I've... Uh, been a pastor here about about five years. You know, I've been a Christian my whole life, and and this sentence right here, this concept has just—it's always kind of chafed at me. I, some of us are maybe more comfortable with it uh, than others, but it's always bothered me. This like um, fear the Lord business, right? Um, because I was always taught that God made us in his image, that he loves us, that in fact he loves us so much that he sent his son to die for us, Um, that God is a God of love, right? And if God is a God of love, why on earth would he want us to be afraid of him? That seems silly. It doesn't seem to to fit. At least it, it didn't to me. And if I'm being honest, as we approach this series, I uh, wanted to just not, you know, you don't have to talk about every verse and every part of the Bible, right? I just didn't want to talk about it. Um, but unfortunately for me, um, you, you can't read Proverbs without this line. It, it shows up like 22 other times in Proverbs. <laughs> and in fact, this concept, it, it shows up throughout the Old Testament and even in the New Testament, the New Testament talks about um, how we need to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. I, that one's always bothered me too. Uh, Proverbs, here's just a few of, of Proverbs. You know, it says, fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. Um, Proverbs uh, 14.27, fear of the Lord adds length to life, but the years of the wicked are cut short. Uh, Fear of the Lord is a fountain of life, turning a person from the snares of death. Better a little, uh, he's talking about possessions, uh, better a little bit if you have the fear of the Lord uh, than great wealth uh, with turmoil. Uh, 16.6, through love and faithfulness, sin is atoned for. Through the fear of the Lord, evil is avoided. Uh, 19.23, the fear of the Lord leads to life, then one rests contented, untouched by trouble. Humility is the fear of the Lord. Its wages are riches, honor, and life. Uh, Proverbs 29, 25. I think this really touches on what Proverbs is getting at. Uh, Fear of man uh, will prove to be a snare. If you live your life out of fear of other people, it'll prove to trip you up, a snare. But whoever trusts in the Lord is kept safe. And uh, what it seems to be saying in Proverbs, and, and as you look through the rest of uh, the Old Testament, we'll look at a few other examples today, but what it seems to be saying is that if you fear the Lord, uh, you tend to find life and success. You find the grain of God's creation. Now, it seems to be saying that your biggest fears, um, they reveal what your, your favorite uh, things are. You know, like we've talked about, if you're afraid of failing, uh, there's a good chance that your God might be success. Uh, If you are afraid for your safety and the safety of your family all the time, there's a good chance that maybe um, a God that you struggle with, an idol that you struggle with, is is security and safety. 
Uh, if, if your fear is that, um, you know, you compensate for this fear, nobody's afraid of being wrong, but if you're afraid of being wrong, if you're afraid of being proved wrong, if you're afraid of uh, talking to people because they might uh, tell you something that doesn't quite fit with the way that you see the world, um, maybe your fear is that you don't have it all figured out, uh, and maybe who you worship is yourself in, in your own mind. If, if you're afraid of losing comfort, maybe uh, your idol is comfort. Um, but the Bible actually talks about this a lot. It's funny, as I was reading uh, the Old Testament and the New Testament, um, if you think about the fear of the Lord before reading just about any Bible story, you'll find that um, this question plays out over and over and over again. Uh, almost every Bible story you read, uh, if you're thinking about fearing God, it turns into a question of who the characters are fearing or what they're fearing. Uh, I'll give you an example. One of the first stories, the first story of human beings in the Bible, the story of Adam and Eve. Uh, God makes them in his image. He loves them. He tells them, you can eat from any tree in the garden except this one tree. And Adam and Eve go ahead and eat from the one tree. And the reason that they do, one of the reasons that they do is that uh, they desire that thing. They desire to gain knowledge. And uh, they're afraid of missing out on something. God has made Adam and Eve. He's given them everything. They have this uh, perfect, uh, happy life, but they're afraid there's something they're missing, and so they reach out and they take. Instead of fearing the Lord, they were afraid um, of missing out. Um, Abraham and Sarah, two really famous characters from the Old Testament, uh, God steps into their world and promises them that he'll bless them abundantly so that they can bless the whole world. Uh, uh, I don't know if you guys have ever had God make a promise to you like that, but I, I haven't. Um, but here they are. God steps in. He says, we will, I will bless you with everything so you can bless the whole world. And, and he does in the story of Abraham and Sarah in Genesis. You know, they get flocks and servants and all this tremendous wealth. Everything that they put their hand to succeeds. Things are going really great, but they're missing one thing, right? Abraham and Sarah, they don't have a child to carry on their legacy, to carry forth God's promise. And, and they're afraid. They're afraid that, oh, yeah, I know, God, you gave me all of this stuff, but, but what about my legacy? What about after I'm gone? And instead of fearing the Lord, uh, they chose to fear for their legacy, and they, they hatched a plan to create an heir outside of God's plan for them. And if you know the story, it caused all kinds of pain and all kinds of trouble and all kinds of destruction. Uh, another great story, if you know uh, the story of God's people in Genesis, um, right? They're slaves in Egypt. God frees them from slavery, and they wander uh, in this desert, and God leads them to the edge of a river, right? And so here's you, you're, you and all your friends, you were just slaves, and God has said to you, on the other side of this river is the perfect place for you. God says, the same one, you know, I, I dealt with the Egyptians, the most powerful empire in the world, and now I'm going to lead you here so that you can have this beautiful, perfect land. And uh, God's people, they look across that river, they send spies across that river, and they get scared. They're afraid of the enemies in the promised land, and they're so afraid of them, and they're not so afraid of God, so they say, sorry, God, we're not going over there. And it causes death and pain, and trouble, and things get worse. Instead of uh, fearing the Lord, they feared for their safety and their comfort. 
Throughout Scripture, you know, the, the Egyptians uh, enslaved the Hebrews because they feared them. Uh, Cain killed his brother because he was afraid he wasn't good enough. The Pharisees and the Romans, uh, they, they killed Jesus because they were afraid of what he was teaching and what it meant for their world. They were afraid the Romans might hear Jesus' words and destroy them and attack them. They were afraid. When people put their fear in the wrong places, death follows and people get hurt. But on the other side, when people fear the Lord, life and healing and blessing seems to pour out everywhere. My son Foster's favorite Bible story. Uh, the little boy David fears the Lord more than he fears the giant soldier on the other side, Goliath, and he defeats him. Uh, David fears the Lord more than he fears a sword or anything else, and he beats Goliath. Jesus fears the Lord instead of the religious leaders and the Roman Empire and even the powers of death itself, and he goes to the cross and defeats them. And I had slides for these, but I just skipped right through them. <laughs> Fearing the Lord is not about living in fear that God could crush us at any moment. It's not about walking in on eggshells in front of a difficult person. Uh, but it is about living like God is in charge. It's about living like all of our fears, as big as they loom and as scary as they seem, it's about living that all of our fears are smaller than him. Like we don't have to fear them because we trust him. It's not that our fears aren't there. It's not that they go away. Uh, it's that they don't get to decide what we do. They don't get to determine our lives. Our connection with God does. Fear of the Lord is about saying this. It's about saying, I am small and the things that I'm afraid of and my biggest and greatest nightmares are therefore small too. And my God is big. Fear of the Lord says, I am small, but God is big. And if I am small and God is big, then my greatest fears are small too. My greatest certainties, the things that I'm most sure about, uh, are fallible sometimes. I can be wrong if I fear God. Fear the Lord says, I'm small, God is big, so the story that I'm telling myself about the course of my life and about what has to happen for me to fulfill my uh, meaning and purpose as a human being, fear of the Lord says the story I'm telling myself is incomplete, that maybe I'm missing something. Fear of the Lord says my future predictions, uh, they're suspect. I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, but God does. Fear of the Lord says my understanding of the past is messy sometimes. Fear of the Lord says, even my understanding of God is incomplete. And I ought to be open to God changing my mind. Fear of the Lord says, I might be wrong. And if you read Proverbs, you'll discover that it says this all the time, that it's impossible to gain wisdom if you can't be wrong. Anybody ever been somebody that can't be wrong? <laughs> Only just me, okay. <laughs> Yeah, it's hard to be wrong, but fear of the Lord says, the world is bigger than my understanding of it, therefore I can be wrong. So today, if you would remember this, 
If you would remember today uh, uh, that I am small, that we are small, that our certainties are small, that our fears are small, that our understandings are small, that our legacy is small. It's not everything. That our dreams are small. They're not everything. That our worst case scenarios, that thing that if it happened, you think it would destroy you, is small. That our ideas and our plans and our desires are small compared to our Lord who is big. God is big and he loves you. So may we lay those things down at his feet today. May we place our hope, our awe, our reverence, and yes, even our fear in the God who made everything. In the God who made all of your todays and your yesterdays and your tomorrows first. And we'll find that that's the first step in learning anything about what it means to live in the world that he made. Uh, in, a, in a moment, we're going we're gonna to do a baptism together. Uh, we, get to, we get to celebrate uh, the work that God has done in drawing somebody to get to know him. Uh, and there's all kinds of things happening in baptism. Um, you'll notice, and <clears throat> there are all kinds of different ways to baptize somebody, but one of the things that's at play is, is the water. And when you go under the water, uh, the way we understand baptism is it's kind of like you're going down into the grave. It's a, it's a little weird. So a baptism is, is kind of like a funeral uh, in a way. Uh, when you volunteer to be baptized, what you're saying is that my old way of living in this world, my old self uh, is, is being put to death, is actually going down into the grave. And when Molly goes down under the water, it's, it's like we're having a little mini funeral for her, but don't worry, it won't be long. Uh, or then we will have it. No. Um, only the pastor can make drowning jokes at the baptism. Oof. It's a mini, a mini funeral. Because what happens is, uh, right after Molly goes down into the water, she comes right back up. And that represents uh, her coming out of that grave as a new person, a new self. A person remade to be the one she was meant to be. When, when the first Christians in the early church got baptized, um, it, was, it was a pretty risky thing. Um, and the church would make really sure that they were really sure they wanted to be baptized. Uh, they'd make them go through all of this stuff just um, to make sure they weren't doing it uh, half, half-heartedly. Because... Um, when you went down under that water and came back up, uh, you were a different person and the, the world saw you differently. And so you had to be afraid of Roman officials. You had to be afraid of your friends and neighbors. You might lose something because your old self died and your new self was born. In baptism, we act out this perspective shift. We die to all our other fears and we come back to life again as people uh, remade and transformed in God's image. And baptism reminds us of this. And if, if you've been baptized, I encourage you as, as we baptize Molly to spend some time remembering your baptism. If you've never been baptized, baptized I'd, I'd love to talk to you about it and we could um, talk about what that means and, and why. But uh, So that's, that's what we're doing. Uh, because the person that you fear, your greatest fear often represents 
who you worship and who your God is. So may we find wisdom by laying down our fears at the feet of somebody who can hold all of them together. Would you pray with me? Thanks for listening to the sermon podcast from Bethel Covenant Church. We're an evangelical covenant church outside Ellsworth, Wisconsin, and you can find out more about us at BethelCov.org.